politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots and forgotten American taxpayers to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house today on Wednesday, February 19th. And yes, I do not have a Spanish name, unlike Amy Amy, uh, Klobuchar, whatever her name is. Uh, I don't have a Spanish name from fourth grade, so hopefully I'm just as American as Amy. Um, I know those of us who actually want to preserve our language, our culture, our sovereignty, our security, don't really seem to matter to the political class. But that is why you guys tune in every day to the only independent conservative show really around on the airwaves, on the web, anywhere. Everyone is part of a dumb tribe. And I think that's really what's hurting us. And where do, where do you see this? Where do you see this most? Yesterday, we had pardon day, jailbreak day. The president just pardoned a bunch of people. Now, unlike in the past, they appear to have been white collar stuff. Um, not the real hardcore cartel gang members like we've seen before. But when you look at someone like Rod Blagojevich, the former corrupt Democrat governor of Illinois. I mean, really, Mr. President, that's the forgotten man that needs a reprieve. The forgotten man that you are going to represent. I mean, those of us who are beleaguered as taxpayers by illegal immigration, by crime, by having our guns taken away in a lot of states. Don't we need some attention? I I just don't I I don't get it. I, I don't understand why we have to bleed all the time for the other the other country's SOB, as as Patton used to say. I, I, I mean, that's the hill to die on. I just don't get it. And then what you had yesterday, which was pretty remarkable. Was Alice Johnson, she's now the celebrity. I mean, I, I bet you she'll speak at the GOP convention in August. Heck, maybe she'll get the GOP nominee in 2024. She's now a celebrity. Top level Colombian drug trafficker of cocaine, which is killing Thousands of people, including African-Americans everywhere. Now more than ever. So now she's out there as a surrogate for the Trump campaign. Bernie Sanders was blasting the corrupt clemencies. And she's out there. Defending it. (laughs) And I'm thinking like. It's going to be peak Republican, peak Republican, you got to admit vintage Republican to find the one avenue to get to the left of Bernie Sanders. That's what they're going to do in this election. I mean, what sort of debate do they want between the two? Hey, I'm going to let out more people from prison than you. And again, this stuff was white collar, but still, I mean, something more pretty bad. And you do have to deter theft to that degree. And corruption. Now, yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, when you look at the sentences in America 
a white collar crimes versus the worst violent people. I do think there is somewhat of an imbalance that we seem to be more tougher um, pound per pound on a lot of white collar crimes, but a lot of white collar crimes are still problematic. We can't just dismiss them like Joe Biden said he wants to do. And I just don't understand. I mean, really we're, I mean, I mean, that's what we're doing. And I, I just, it makes my skin crawl to see this Alice Johnson. Look, you want to say you think she's reformed herself enough. You'll give an, you know, a limited clemency just to her. Um, she's been there for a while. Okay. I, I'm not, like I said before, I'm not that against it. But here's what I am against. Making her appear like a saint. Like she was wronged. Like, I mean, she has, she is the, arbiter of moral authority for conservatism now she's a senior fellow for the texas public policy foundation when i i mean correct me if i'm wrong has she ever shown remorse and apologized for for the trafficking you google around you could see the cocaine deaths among blacks is skyrocketing it's worse now than ever wouldn't you think that someone who truly reformed Rather than getting up there and being an advocate, you know, sitting down with the White House saying, you must let out this criminal and that criminal. That's that's what they're reporting, that she was she's like the senior advisor on jailbreak now. Rather than that, you know, wouldn't you expect, oh, she's an ordained pastor. She's God's gift to the world. I mean, you could only strive to be like her in your life. Right. So you would think at a at a bare minimum. This woman would go around with DA and prosecutors, go around in some of the events they hold, particularly in black communities, and speak out against the dangers of fentanyl-laced cocaine, among other things. But it's like, I almost don't seem that, I don't see anything wrong. And, and that's really how she was when she was convicted in the 90s. She was a battle axe. She would not give up anyone. She played chicken with the prosecutor. She could have gotten out of the mandatory life sentence. So, you know, I, I was giving her credit in the past saying, let's assume she reformed. But, you know, this doesn't have any bearings on. In general, what what federal prosecutors wind up convicting. And now I really wonder about her. But, th but th this is the question. This is the fundamental question. And this is why you turn into independent conservative talk. I don't want to hear about the Democrat debate. All my colleagues, oh man, they're going to be all into Bloomberg now. Oh, this is going to be so exciting. Why don't we get involved in the GOP debate? The Republican debate that you could actually influence. Well, what, what Republican debate? What primary? I mean, isn't Trump going to get the nomination? Yeah, he's going to get the nomination. But I mean the debate for the heart and soul of Trump's potential prospective second term. What is it going to look like? Is it going to look like what Trump campaigned on and the perception of what he represented and what the voters that most ardently supported him desire or is it going to represent the very swamp that he ran against the jared kushners the mitch mcconnell's the kevin mccarthy's 
That's the debate that rages every day. Is this going to be a, a term of law and order? Or is this going to be a term of jailbreak? Is this going to be a term of going after the drug traffickers, the cartels, and illegal immigration, and crime in general? Or is it going to be Chris, Chris Cuomo light? Is it going to be a term where we finally stop increasing spending on the Department of Education? Or where we continue blowing out the spending and creating new entitlements? Is it going to be a term where we put our interests first in the world or where we continue to engage in urban renewal projects for Islam? Is it going to be a term where we finally get a hold on this mass migration from the Middle East and the mass migration from China while they're sucking us dry? Or is it going to be a term where we have these cosmetic changes so people think we're changing it, but really nothing changes? I mean, literally, the, the, the travel ban is a joke now. Anyone who wants a waiver gets one. Is it going to be a term where, as Trump promised, we're finally going to put the American worker first? Or are we going to continue this labor, nothing but labor trafficking? And not just with the farm labor, the low-skilled labor. But the so-called high-skilled, which is not high-skilled, they're entry-level white-collar jobs, where we flood the country with, with uh, these Indian contractors, these in corrupt Indian companies that steal jobs of Americans, drive down wages, and then really, I mean, there's stories I'm going to have some guests on in the coming weeks about, you, you wouldn't think about it, but there's labor trafficking at that level as well. They might not come over the border, they might come on airplanes. But these companies, they're, they're essentially indentured servants. It's terrible what goes on. And yet, I mean, look, I, I spoke last night or two nights ago to someone who would very much be in the know of what is going on on these issues in the administration. It's not anyone you would know. It's not a cabinet official or deputy secretary or agency head. It's, it's a staffer, um, but someone who is really, really in the know. And he called me and I was hoping he would give me some good news. You know, I, I was giving over to him all my concerns about where I see the administration headed. And I was hoping he'd say, well, look, we got these guys fighting for this. I think we're going to win on this. And he actually made it worse. <laughs> um, it's really bad. I mean, especially when you look at the issues pertaining to the American worker. I mean, this is may as well be the Bloomberg administration. Just this obsession with bringing in more labor. Again, more the Indian. I mean, they, they will pass these bills over every Democrat, half the Republicans, and Trump will sign them, just like we see on the budget bills. That will happen in the second term if we don't have intervention. This debate is raging every day. You don't have a presidential primary, but you have congressional primaries. People like Chris Putnam running against Kay Granger. And yet there's no desire on the part of the broken fag tail tubby loser. Whatever. I'm just going to spew a bunch of expletives here. So I may as well quit while I'm ahead. 
like I, I really I almost feel like becoming like Bernie Sanders. At least he believes in something. I can't relate. I, I feel like I have no place anymore here. I can't relate to these people in this industry. Is there a person who calls himself a conservative on TV that will actually focus and fight on something for once? That matters that we could actually influence. Trump is everything, especially if Bernie drags down the party and they lose the House. He has full control as leader of the party. Veto pen with Republicans in control. You could direct his agenda nine out of ten times. And let me let me give you the positive side to this. The good news. Many of you have noted, sent me messages that you've sent emails to your senator to the White House. You've called the White House. Keep doing it. H.R. 5038, this massive ag amnesty bill. And I could tell you your voice is being heard. You know, you know sometimes, sometimes I'm really frustrated. I feel like it's not going anywhere. This time I could tell you it is. Think about it. It was just me. But you got, you know, Levin had me on. Tucker mentioned it a little bit, I think, last night. You know, he veered off into Joe Biden on immigration, too. But, you know, at least he mentioned it. And it's the, the alarm bells are going off. But this is not just about one bill. It's about the entire philosophy. They're going to do this on the DACA amnesty. They're going to do this on codifying TPS. They're going to do this on, on continuing to bring in massive low-skilled workers, moving away from getting rid of anchor babies and, and moving away from E-Verify. This is the entire immigration portfolio. It's not just you know, this one particular piece of legislation. If they hear from us early and often, We'll stop this. But again, it's truly said we, we should be able to build together a beautiful second term on how we go on offense, how we go forward ahead of the status quo. Yet we still, sadly, four years into this administration have to fight that we don't downright go backwards and have under Trump's watch, under his helm, pass new bad ideas. Again, go through a list of the 15 or so, 20 or so cabinet secretaries or equivalents, cabinet level officials. You could Google that. It's on the White House website. And if you want to get more ambitious, go through some agency heads and ask yourselves how many are on the MAGA agenda? I'm not even talking about, you know, traditional conservatives like myself, but I mean, like really supported Trump from day one. How many? Now, I know Ken Cuccinelli was a cruise guy. He didn't support, but but clearly he is supports the agenda. No one could deny that. But he's he's not even a secretary. He's deputy. The secretary of DHS. Is a whore for cheap labor. That, that was his career was a visa lobbyist. He said he'd uh, recuse himself from those decisions, and then now he backed out of that. We're on our fourth year and fourth swamp DHS secretary under this president. Doesn't have to be this way. But these are the debates we need to get involved in. You want to talk about a GOP debate? There was a GOP debate. You know what else happened on this bill? Chip Roy sent a letter 
to Lindsey Graham. Very heartfelt letter. He said, look, you know, you might remember not too long ago, I was a staffer on the Senate Judiciary Committee, committee that you now chair. He said, I, I don't understand this. All the promises that we needed to close all of the criminal alien loopholes, the border problems, you know, the UACs and catch and release. We have not fixed those things that you promised the Senate Judiciary Committee. Why are we moving an amnesty bill and not focusing on that? That's the debate. Can you imagine if, if Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and, and, and Tucker and, and Laura and, you know, all the Fox hosts and, and, and all the, you know, writers, bloggers, you know, Charlie Kirks of the world that, that seem to have the president's ear would focus on this Chip Roy versus Lindsey Graham debate. Are we going to have more Republicans in the mold of Chip Roy? Or we can have more Republicans in the mold of Lindsey Graham. That's a huge divide. Folks, that is every bit as, as wide, if not wider, it is wider, than the gulf between your run-of-the-mill Republican. Well, what am I saying? It's for sure wider. I mean, the gulf between a Chip and, and a Lindsey Graham is much bigger than the gulf between a Lindsey Graham and a Mike Bloomberg. On almost every issue. Sometimes they're downright in bed with each other. And um, there's, there's no desire. I, I don't get it. It doesn't cost you anything. You can actually influence it. I mean, look at what I was able to do. Me, the little nobody that is basically a dissident in this phony movement. It got the, the wheels churning here. I, you know, with, with your help, I think we really did a lot to raise awareness of something that would have just totally gone under the radar. Imagine how often we could do this and how much more we could accomplish if people with greater influence and a greater audience than, than myself would do this just, just 10% of the time. You know, you could still 90% of the time focus on whatever crap you want to focus on. But at least pick a couple of these issues. Get some wins. The president will back off of it right away. You know, and then what will happen is people like Mike Pence will deny culpability. Oh, no, I was never involved. Whatever, fine. I mean, if that's what you feel you need to do, okay, it's, it's better than being involved and actually succeeding in passing it. But we've gone, we've gone long on this segment. I just wanted to really uh, drum in that point. Um, and, and now that we're on this discussion of, of just labor trafficking and what we're doing to the American worker, I want to I want to point to an article here. One of our followers. Um, and I don't even know who he is. He goes by uh, the Twitter handle cause and effect. Um, if you're listening, here's a shout out to you. Uh, great job on this. Uh, sent a uh, ping me on a article the perry news in perry iowa about tyson tyson's food plants in iowa now what i find amazing is all these people like ivanka they'll virtue signal about human trafficking but then they miss the point that the 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 very people they are breaking bread with and promoting these immigration ideas they are the human traffickers 
What is human trafficking if not Tyson food? That's what they do. That is their entire business model. And now the article is titled Trump's latest immigration ban threatens Tyson labor pool. Now it's a joke because it's really not. It's a name only. But they basically say how their labor pool is built upon literally the low, the, 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 the lowest skilled people from the most third world countries around. Refugees from Eritrea, Myanmar, have been the most frequently hired workers at the Tyson's Perry plant in recent years. Alberto Alguin, human resources director at Tyson Fresh Meats, said he is unsure whether the latest immigration bail ban will have an effect in Perry. We do hire refugees. We hope this will not have any effect, but we will see. It's hard to tell at this point. And um, look, 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 I want you guys to look at this. Olguin said some nine languages are spoken among Tyson's refugee workers, most of whom commute daily from Des Moines, but some choose both to work and live in Perry or the surrounding area. Um, look at that. They talk about all oh, discrimination. Tyson has a huge workforce made up of Somalis, Eritreans, and people from Myanmar disproportionate to the number of people they hire. <laughs> so this is the dirty little secret. This is the dirty little secret. The company currently employs 1,368 workers at the Perry plant. About 800 of the employees are refugees with 400 each from Africans and Asians. Folks, Here's the big lie about Americans doing the jobs. Not only are they boxing them out with just unrealistic, insane wages, you can't dex machina bring in people from such different cultures that they'll work for nothing and say, oh, the workers are that by, by now you guys know that argument. But there's another point that people are missing. They're discriminating either sometimes directly, clearly they're doing it directly too, or softly against Americans. If you go and only hire P Somalis and Eritreans and nine languages spoken, whatever, Americans aren't going to go there. That, that's the reality. It's not going to work. They won't hire. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then they're like, oh, I can't get Americans. This is exactly what the president promised to stop. Yet, they've brought in record numbers. Um, again, refugees have been slowed down, but, 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 but there's 12 other branches of refugees we bring in, humanitarian grounds, from the border, or the H-2 visas, which are the same demographic. I just, I thought that was a terrific article. They weren't trying to make that point, but it proves that point. And now that we're on the discussion of this cross-cultural insurgency, cross-border insurgency. So one of the points we, I, I mentioned a little bit yesterday with Victor Avila, the ICE agent who was almost killed by the Zetas cartel in Mexico. He was left out to dry by his own government. And yet cartel families are able to come in. So what I'm told by the few sane people left in Border Patrol, and I mean that, Border Patrol leadership is so broken so so broken on so many levels that their entire mission is broken 
So they told me that a big part of the problem people don't realize is what we have in this country is literally an insurgency in these communities. In Star County, Texas, where the cartels, because we've had so much immigration, I've said this so long, it's the same principle from the Middle East with Muslim Brotherhood subversion. It's the same principle when you have millions from China where the Chinese communists have a conduit to get in their counter intel and espionage. And it's certainly true of Mexico. There's a lot of great people that have come in that we've brought in legally. But when you have that much legal and illegal immigration, and then the two mix a lot because a lot of people ultimately get green cards. Really, they were here illegally. There's 50 ways from Sunday for them to finagle themselves into status. So a lot of families, people don't realize their their status really comes from something that was ill-gotten. They did not come here legitimately like other people do. But it works out that all these cartel bosses, they all have families here. They all the cartel, you know, Hakons and the low level, you know, the scouts, the assassins, the whatever they are. They have friends, family, relatives all along the border working for them. And many of them are already or have been for quite some time U.S. citizens. And, the, and one of the big problems and, you know, we had um couple of Arizona sheriffs on the show talking about this. They hire American kids to do their dirty work in the smuggling. That's a big part of the drug smuggling problem in this country. It's a mixture of they're American, but also they're kids, and they know that we, we won't touch them with drug charges. This is from Stephanie Bennett, um, one of the good reporters at Fox, actually. Nogales, Arizona. An alarming trend is spreading along the U.S. and Mexico border. Cartels are hiring American children as, as young as 12 years old to smuggle drugs and weapons. It's a problem. We know it's, it's, out, it's there, said the Tucson Sector Border Patrol agent. We're trying to mitigate that issue through education and prevention. According to CBP, in fiscal year 2018, there were 36 children arrested for narcotics at Arizona's ports of entry. In fiscal year 2019, that number jumped to 57. After noticing the increasing trend, they, they kicked off this whole program and everything in the high schools. They go talk to them. But I mean, folks, this is what happens when you create a cross-border insurgency and a cross-cultural insurgency. Um, this is what they do. We're being eaten alive. And don't sit and tell me all oh, compassion for children. They're also, it says in the article, they're using pregnant women because they know we won't do anything. But what about the, 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 the tens of thousands of people who die from drugs? And, and don't dismiss this as, oh, I don't care. There's some people in a back alley. No, as we had from Virginia Krieger on the program, there are so many, the, the, the crisis has evolved because they're, they're smuggling them now even Forget about the snorting, but even in pill form, pill form, it, it, it's getting a hold of kids from all of our families, from, from religious families, middle upper class families, raised well, uh, nice neighborhoods. You know, you, you could raise your kids as well as you want. They make this one mistake one time. Take a pill. They're dead. This is chemical warfare. You would think we would do everything we can to shut it down. Instead, we're doing everything we can 
to service these UACs and the children and this and that. And all the magnets in the sanctuary cities. I'm telling you, if we had a campaign just about the issue of drugs mixed with the border and sanctuaries harboring their networks and jailbreak of the Democrats decriminalizing and letting out drug traffickers. Man, would you win a landslide. But instead, we have these these phony grifters that are involved in the Trump campaign in the White House that are getting the president away from his natural view on this issue. And now the biggest hero, the biggest spokesperson is one of the biggest or probably the biggest cocaine trafficker in the history of Tennessee who has never shown any remorse. What an utter disgrace. I want to get involved in the GOP debate. And and yeah, let's talk about this jailbreak. You know, I have a story out today uh, from CBS 6 local news in Albany, New York. New York lost track of 3,275 parolees, including violent sex offenders, about 50, 60 of them. But there's about 3,000 where they, where they didn't respond to their FOIA. Or it's not FOIA, but it's the state equivalent of um, you know, information requests. So there's a lot more going on there. Now, there's a lot of very important lessons to learn from this story. So number one, in addition to criminals now having no deterrent on the front end, so they know they could commit crimes and remain outside of jail indefinitely, no matter what they do with the work, committing the worst crimes because of um, the bail break. But then you have the back end where, I mean, to begin with, so many aren't being sentenced. They're being, if they are, it's, it's very little jail time, prison time. and then. These dudes are getting um, what's called community supervision, home confinement, community supervision, parole, some sort of thing like that. And you have to check in with a parole agent. Well, what's what happens if you don't check in with your parole agent and you abscond and you disappear? Are we really going to put you back in prison? No, because they fear the prison numbers more than crime, right? That, that is the religion in the, in, in the political class now. You got to get down the prison numbers even more than they're already down. So there's no deterrent on the back end, just like there's no deterrent against absconding on the front end from your hearing, your arraignment. There's no um, deterrent against absconding from parole, from the conditions of parole. And that's what's happening there now. But there's another important point that I've made a lot, and that is the fiscal side of this. Something people don't realize. They quote this guy, Wayne Spence, who is basically, he's a parole officer and he's the head of of, um, the parole union in New York. And the guy said that part of the problem is resources, that they don't have enough cops to monitor these people. He said, typically, you need no more than 20 high-risk parolees per cop, but now the ratio is more like 60 to 1. And this is a point I've made over and over again, and this ties back into the so-called First Step Act, what they did at a federal level, and why we're going to have insane things coming out of that stupid jailbreak bill, and we're never going to know that these people were were released through that because it's never going to be reported. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
these people want to have it both ways. Ultimately, their goal is what? Anarchy and jailbreak. Abolish prison. But they, they want to actualize multiple talking points at the same time. They want to have it both ways. So the same way that they want to have it like, oh, no, 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 They want to talk about this is just low-level nonviolent offenders, but then they want to reduce the numbers, and they know because there's so few nonviolent feathers in prison they're they have to release violent prisoners so they get released the same way they want to talk a point of oh we don't want to be holding people pre-trial before they're convicted it's it's not right it's not due process okay but then expedite put more money into the court system and expedite so you could expedite the the trials no they're not going to do that either the result is always unaccountable jailbreak notice this that's the result so it's the same thing here they want a talking point of, oh, man, could you imagine the money we're saving on incarceration, baby? Imagine. Oh, whoops. But here's the deal. Even if you believe that this stuff could work, community supervision, parole instead of confinement. Here's the dirty little secret. Here's the dirty little secret. It actually, say what you want about a joint, about a prison, but the costs are fixed. I mean, per diem, per, per inmate, once you have the facility, it's not that much. But you want to go and try to replicate that degree of security apparatus where you could truly monitor and keep communities secure inside of a community not off in a far-flung prison. Well, that's a lot more difficult. That you need to put in the resources. Oh, but then you got to spend more money. But I want the talking point I'm spending less. That's how you get the jailbreak without the more police, without the more parole officers. Parole officers are cut while the number of people on parole instead of in prison are skyrocketing. And it's done by design. According to the Bureau of um, Prisons, this is at a federal level, but, but the principle, I'm sure, holds true at a state level, too. The cost per diem per prisoner is $33 in a federal facility. Home confinement is 44 and a halfway house is 88 The same thing happened with Prop 47 in California. Of all people, the radical mayor of L.A. even complained about this. I mean, there's a guy out there celebrating, you know, how they're harboring criminal aliens. But even he said, look, with, with Prop 47 was a problem. And one of the things is they were promised more money to deal with the drug problems and the mental illness, more resources into the criminal justice system. OK, you don't want to do confinement as much. Now, I'm not saying I agree that that's going to work. It never was going to work. But the point is, they want to have it both ways. The money was never forthcoming. Of course, it's not. It's all about jailbreak. And folks, the, the, the amount of jailbreak stories that I am seeing are just astounding. Just utterly astounding. You know, this, uh, there's a story some of you might have seen from the New York Post. Men with crime pays tattoo on forehead arrested after police chase. <laughs> I mean, look, you can't blame the guy. Crime does pay. Crime does pay. But, you know, this is not only happening in, um, what do you call it, in, in New York City. Republicans are supporting this crap. 
I mean, this is where we're at. We have a debate fighting for the heart and soul of Trump. The reality is, look, we need a new party. We need to start a new party. We need someone to lead that. But the reality is, for the next five years, there's not much of a choice beyond him. And for all of his flaws and faults, he is inherently open to most of our views. He campaigned on them. Still open to it. If you get in his face, we will get a lot of what we want. But if you don't, you know, he's kind of Orwellian, where in some ways he'll speak more MAGA on crime and immigration than anyone before him. But in some ways, he'll wind up doing jailbreak and open borders quite bigly, <laughs> to use his term. If you don't, I mean, they, he, he's kind of like a, a startup tech stock, you know, high risk, high return. It, it, but, 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 you know, we don't have to take it to chance and leave it to chance in a casino. We could have our input in it. But these stupid bankrupt people don't want to expend their capital. So Jared's going to win. But I want you guys to listen to this story. Houston. Houston is becoming a dunghole of, of, of sanctuaries and jailbreak. The heart of Texas. The family of a man killed at a convenience store last week is speaking out. The family of 20-year-old uh, Reginald Larry says his killer, who was out on bond for murder, should have never been issued a bond. He was out on bond for murder. Now, Gerald Washington, 27, is charged with two murders. He's also on the run after tampering with his GPS monitoring device. Look at that. Um, unbelievable. Washington has a criminal history that dates back to 2018. Court records show Washington was granted deferred adjudication, which is similar to probation for two counts of burglary to a building. This is this is in Texas. His conditions were amended several times after he allegedly violated them. So two burglaries. Doesn't get locked up. Gets probation. Violates the terms of probation. Well, again, the same reason they didn't want to lock him up to begin with. They don't want to lock him up even when he violates the probation. Because it's a religion about you. Incarceration is the crime, not crime. We're the criminals. How dare you want to lock people up, Daniel? We're the problem. You and I are the problem. This is not Michael Bloomberg and Bernie Sanders just saying this. This is the Texas Public Policy Foundation. I mean, practically their entire alumni is in the White House. It's amazing how they wiggled their way in there. More than any so-called think tank, I can't think of a think tank that has more people working, forget not, not just the executive branch, but the White House itself, than the Koch-funded TPPF. Then in October 2018, he was charged with murder and two aggravated assaults. Court records state in October 2017, he got into a car and shot three women, killing one of them. Shot three women and killed one of them. One of the victims was shot so many times she played dead. She was in the hospital for a month, rehab for two months. She was shot uh, seven times. So now think about that. Shot three people, killed one. <laughs> two burglaries, violated the terms of probation. Still, he was given two, $200,000 bond. 
but and was required to wear a GPS monitoring device. While out on bond, police say he committed another murder this past month. Then he tampered with his GPS ankle monitor and is currently a fugitive at large. Again, this is the issue with the, the, the ankle monitoring, the, the parole. It's a joke. It's an utter joke. I could point to this everywhere. This is the big lie. Their whole thing is, look, why do we need to lock them up in these horrible prisons? It makes them worse. Let them out. We have parole. We monitor them. It is such a joke. I could point to you stories of this every day. Texas. This is the type of story we read every day in New York. It's happening in Texas. This guy was needlessly killed. This um, store clerk, regional Larry. God bless his family. Why is there never any voice for people like that? The, the, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, Jared, Ivanka, Kim Kardashian's fat rear end, Alice Johnson. I mean, look. There's one thing, okay, Alice Johnson, she wants to say, oh, low-level drug of offenders, meaning everyone's low-level, even those that are killing hundreds of people with cocaine, fine. But at least, like, murderers that are let out, maybe you ought to be an advocate for, for victims once in your, in your wretched, worthless life. I, I mean, is this too much to ask? And friends, there's nothing unique about this story. In fact, at least he, he was let out on 200,000 bond. Often, it's even less. I could find you more egregious stories than even this. It's always about all oh, the Alice Johnsons of the world, which even those are built on a lie and very misleading. Remember, Sally Yates, of all people under Obama, passed her up for clemency twice. There's something in that sentencing report that they don't want you to know. No one would have the guts to ask her to release it. But, but, but I mean, what, what do you want to hear? Do, do, do you want to hear just uh, mellifluous sounding stuff? I mean, do you want me to just, um, I don't know, sugarcoat this? But again, I don't want you guys to get down. I want you guys to get it organized. Some of you brought up this idea of maybe, you know, maybe a Facebook group where a group of you guys could meet each other and, and plan together. Cause like I said, I, this is not just about hearing myself talk. This is about, um, doing good. I guess I'm just one of the few bleeding heart conservatives out there that actually believes in doing Micah six, eight, you know, ah, <sighs> This is just this is just super, super frustrating. Super, super frustrating. Not sure. I'm not I'm just not sure what to do here. Um, you know, speaking of Micah, comes to mind. Micah um, chapter two. Where, where he says, you know, the prophet, he says, sarcastically, it's written sarcastically, I, I believe it's verse 12, something like, I'll, you know, I will surely assemble, Jacob, all of you, I will surely gather 
the remnant of Israel. Together I will make them as sheep in a fold, as a flock within its stall shall they stir with people. But he, um, he made fun out of them, saying, Hey, preach not. Those who preach, they shall not preach to these. They shall not take the shame. People don't want to hear their approach. They want to keep doing their things. Um, and they just want to go, go along in their things. If a man walking in wind and falsehood lies, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink. He shall be a preacher for this people. <laughs> Verse 11. You know, they didn't want to hear the word of God. They wanted to hear, hey, guys, get drunk. Take some fentanyl. Everything's great. We're owning the libs. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's really what people want to hear or if that's what the Fox movement provides. So, you know, people are just accustomed to that. But if more people would offer some uh, real reproach, but but again, constructively that you you look, I'm, I'm just telling you, you get a modicum of blowback from some of the big heavy hitters, talk talk show hosts. Liberal crap in the White House is stopped in its tracks. Right? That's something that can, will, would not happen in a Jeb Bush administration. He doesn't give a darn what they have to say. Trump does. So make your voice heard. And folks, you could call the White House, make your voice heard. But in order to do that, we need to augment our voice. So I need you to subscribe at iTunes. Drop us a nice uh, review. Send this show to 50 of your friends and relatives. And again, I'm going to start advertising of and by and for the movement. Good products, gun products, self-defense products. There's one I'm, I'm working on from a member of this very audience. So if you guys have stuff, you know, we'll work out good rates. I'll promote the heck out of it because I don't promote junk. Stuff that, because ultimately we need to vote with our feet. That's the thing. We need to vote with our feet. We need to support our own. We need to be independent of the system. Otherwise, we'll just succumb to it. Folks, we got a lot more. The week is still young. God bless y'all. Same place, same time tomorrow. See you then. <laughs>